Our sermon this morning was written by Pastor Drew Nauman. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood and has made us kings and priests to God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Our text this morning is Hebrews 9, verses 11 through 15. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from death's work to serve the living Lord God? And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. In the name of Jesus, who is our all-sufficient merit, dear friends in Christ. I'd like to give you a little peek into your pastor's preparation for each Sunday sermon. Every Tuesday, he meets with a few other CLC pastors online and discusses the text to preach on. On Wednesday, he tries to figure out a rough theme and parts of the sermon. And on Thursday, he scours books and websites to try to find a suitable illustration to help tie the sermon together with the themes and parts. This week, though, trying to find a sermon illustration describing our Savior's superior sacrifice yielded very few results. As it turns out, if you're looking for a sermon illustration on sacrifice, uh, 19 out of 20 of these sacrifices that that you're looking for uh, are missionaries going to... going to foreign countries, or uh, giving up creature comforts to spread the gospel. The sacrifices that pastors and priests make to comfort their parishioners, or the sacrifices that children make in their simple, intense love for their family. The point of each of these sacrifices being that we ought to be willing to make those same sacrifices. This pattern in and of itself is illustration enough to see that many Christians have lost track of what the point of the gospel is. While the sacrifices that we make for God and for our neighbor are important fruits of faith, we cannot, they cannot be the focus of our faith. God did not reveal to us his will in his word in order to tell us that what we should do for him. He revealed it to inform us about what has already been done for us. And this confusion about whose sacrifice is more important, ours or Christ's, is not a new puzzle. It's one that's plagued the Hebrews as well throughout the history of Israel. And so in order to set our priorities straight once more, we consider the word of the Lord today 
and focus on our Savior's superior sacrifice. He is the place, he is the price, and he is the priest. May the Spirit give comfort and hope today through the knowledge of Christ's selfless love for us. We can't know for sure who wrote the letter to the Hebrews. Some think it was Paul, maybe his protege, Barnabas. Or some even think that it might have been Apollos, that same Apollos that Paul writes to in 1 Corinthians. But what we can know is who the original audience was, the Hebrews, which is just another word for saying the Jewish people. The occasion for writing this letter was that the Hebrews were having a hard time letting go. For thousands of years, they had been worshiping according to the Old Testament law. The priests, the tabernacles, the tabernacle, the temple, the circumcisions, the cleansing rituals, the sacrifices, the festivals. Though Christ had come as a fulfillment for all these precursors, they still believed that anyone who wanted to worship the one true God had to continue obeying all these rites and rituals. And they even required the same from Gentiles who desired to become Christians. The problem arose from losing focus. All of these practices which God commanded Israel to observe were instituted in order to point God's people ahead to the promised Messiah and all that he would come to do for them. Instead, the old Adam got in the way and turned it into a religion of works. Instead of being a constant gospel-based reminder of what God would do for me, it became a constant law-centered burden of what I must do for God. But our Savior's sacrifice is superior to any that we could offer. And it all starts with the tabernacle. Four whole chapters of the book of Exodus are just about constructing the tabernacle, which the Israelites did when they were traveling in Sinai, in the Sinai wilderness. The purpose of this intricate tent was to house the glory of the Lord as they traveled. In Exodus 25, verse 8, God said, And let them, let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them. And while God dwelt among them in the tabernacle, there was still a healthy, necessary separation between God's glory and his people's sinfulness. In Leviticus 16.2, God warns Moses, Tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil, before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Only the high priest could enter the most sacred room of the tabernacle, and he could only do so on a specific day in a very specific way. But Christ's sacrifice changed how God's people could approach him. Verse 11 in our text. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. In the Old Testament, sinful man had to offer his own sacrifices and wash and cleanse himself in order to come to God in the tabernacle. 
But in Christ, God came to man. In the old sacrifices in Leviticus, the worship of the Lord was tied to a location made with human hands. But Jesus, who was not created but begotten, said in Matthew 18, verse 20, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst with them. And again in John 10, verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and in, go in and out and find pasture. We also tie our worship to a place, don't we? This place, our house of worship. We come to church and think that we've done our good deed for the week, like the Pharisees of whom Isaiah prophesied. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. We rejoice in the, quote, sacrifice that we make for God by setting aside our Sunday morning to be here rather than rejoicing in his sacrifice, which we hear about in this building. If we are keeping our focus on Christ's superior sacrifice for us and not on our inferior sacrifices to him, then we will seek to worship him everywhere, at home in personal study, in private, in our prayers, and in public through our witnessing. And not doing these as work righteousness or any sacrifice in our way to win God's favor, but doing it gladly and willingly and selfishly, selflessly, because we see Christ's superior sacrifice, not only for us, but for all people. Just as Jesus said, to the Samaritan woman in the well in John 4. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. In recognizing the superiority of Christ's sacrifice over those in the Old Testament ceremonial laws, we see not only that Christ is the place but that Christ was the price. The writer of the Hebrews says in verses 12 to 14 in our text, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Animal sacrifices were a staple of the Old Testament worship practices. God commanded them in Leviticus 6. And the priest shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord, a ram without blemish from the flock, with your, with your valuation as, trespass, as a trespass offering to the priest. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be given for any of these things that he had, may have done in which he trespasses. And again, in Numbers 29... 
You shall present a burnt offering to the Lord as a sweet aroma, one young bull, one ram, and seven lambs in their first year. Be sure they are without blemish. Their grain offering shall be of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for one ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs. Also, one kid of goats as a sin offering, besides the sin offering for atonement, the regular burnt offering, and its grain offering, and their drink offerings. These offerings, these animal sacrifices, we, we're told brought atonement and forgiveness to the people of Israel. And so the question arises, why do we need Christ? Why can't we just keep offering animals to pay for sin? And the answer is found in the chapter of Hebrews just after our text in chapter 10. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have been ceased to be offered? For the worshipers, once purified, would have no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there, was, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. So doesn't that seem contradictory? God says in the Old Testament, offer bulls and goats for your atonement. And then in Hebrews, he says, it isn't possible to offer bulls and goats to take sin away. The answer is found in the first verse of the section we just read, and that these were a shadow of the good things to come. The animal sacrifices were inseparably tied to the promise of the very real redemption that would be brought about through Christ's superior sacrifice. They were a sign and a reminder that God would send his son into the world to be the spotless lamb of God. They were a precursor of when Christ would be laid upon the altar of the cross and slain for the sins of the whole world. His blood, not that of beasts, would be sprinkled upon God's people by faith for the full remission of sin. And this is not a sacrifice that needs to be repeated year after year. The writer of the Hebrews also says in chapter 10, verse 14, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Our Savior's sacrifice is superior because the price is superior. The blood of Jesus shed once for all people for all time. Christ did this not because we deserve it, not because our sacrifices to him are so great, but out of his great love for us. He was not taken unwillingly to die for our sins but offered himself willingly as the priest and mediator of this offering. Verse 15 of our text. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. 
In the Old Testament, they had priests whose job it was to be the go-between for a holy God and sinful man. Now we can go straight to God directly as his perfect and righteous people by faith in Jesus. Our Savior is also our full-time priest whose sacrifice has made us acceptable before God and named us his children. You don't need to offer animal sacrifices to atone for your sins before coming before the Lord because Jesus' blood has already atoned for you forever. You don't need to cleanse your body with water to come into God's house because the waters of baptism have already cleansed your soul in the blood of the Lamb and have brought you into God's family of faith. His sacrifice is superior because we don't need to sanctify ourselves or find another especially sanctified individual like a Catholic priest in order for God to hear us. Paul writes in 1 Timothy, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. This new covenant that God has brought to us through the sacrifice of his only begotten son has redeemed us for our transgressions against the old covenant of the law so that now we have received the promise of eternal life. So you've probably noticed that there seems to be a lot of death going around lately. What a comfort and what a blessing to know that our everlasting inheritance is not based on our feeble sacrifices, but is entirely won and guaranteed by our Savior's superior sacrifice. So boarding the SS Dorchester on a dreary winter day in 1943 were 903 troops and four chaplains. World War II was in full swing, and the ship was headed across the icy North Atlantic where German U-boats lurked. At midnight on February 3rd, a German torpedo ripped into the ship. She's going down, the men cried, scrambling for lifeboats. A young soldier crept up to one of the chaplains and said, I've lost my life jacket. Take this, the chaplain said, handing the soldier his jacket. Before the ship sank, each chaplain gave his life jacket to another man. The heroic chaplains then linked arms and lifted their voices in prayer as the Georchester went down. The chaplains were posthumously awarded the Distinguished Service Cross. So what's wrong with this illustration? While we don't want to speak ill of the dead, we must recognize that the temptation is to let this anecdote glorify the sacrifices of man. Instead of making these human heroics the center of our focus, how much better it is to know that such sacrifices are our privilege as Christian when we, by faith, keep our focus on our Savior's superior sacrifice. It is truly superior in every way to anything that we could offer because Christ himself is the place of our worship. Coming to us through his word, Whenever we may, wherever we may be, Christ himself is the price, assuring us 
of the full forgiveness through his innocent blood. And Christ himself is the priest who so willingly offered himself and now intercedes on our behalf to his Father and ours. May the Spirit strengthen our faith and resolve to sacrifice everything for the sake of the gospel, never focusing on our own sacrifices as important or worthy of praise, but maintaining our focus on that which is alone important and praiseworthy, His all-sufficient superior sacrifice. In Hebrews 9, verse 28, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation, in his saving name. Amen.